Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We're your hosts. I am P.S. McKay. Oh, wrong. You're not. You're his pure uh? universe twin. Oh! Because <laughs> in this universe, I have a goatee. But the mirror universe, I don't. I gotcha. <laughs> well done. Well done. Yes, folks, I shaved off my goatee yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of Mrs. McKay. So. You kind of look a little bit like Mr. Fantastic if he gave up on superheroing and decided to have a podcast. <laughs> I uh, seriously like uh, yeah my my temples are all gray. I can't wear a hat because I, I I look I'll look like I'm 50 years old, so I have to wear a visor. It's just <laughs> which you know have 50 you is not that far anymore. Have you considered a sombrero? Um, actually, 50, but you will. I look genuinely like have. you're totally appropriating. Uh, <laughs> I genuinely did, because I needed that brim on Saturday at the at the SC game. <laughs> that was that was missed. That would have been much appreciated. <laughs> Say what you will about the the sombrero being a cultural marker, it is damned practical in the hot sun. Well, if I were you, then I would go and get a an old floppy fishing hat and skip 50 and go straight to 70. Yeah, I should do that. Be like the the the, the, the father in uh, Grumpy Old Man. Uh, no, he wore the um, the ear flap, oh, he... flannel hat. I'm oh, I should just like... do that. <laughs> sure, or Grumpy Old Man too. So, <laughs> he didn't wear the flannel part. He wore a fishing hat in part two, and then he died on the on the on the shore. So. <laughs> Spoiler alert for a twenty-seven-year-old movie. I think everyone's dead in that movie except Kevin Pollock, Daryl Hannah. Oh, Daryl Hannah, yeah, she's she's alive. Oh, thank God, she and will Margaret, be missed though. Sophia Loren, I think they're both still alive. Just thought huh. the old men are dead. Yeah, the old men are dead the way it should be, right? <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, DT, how, how fair is it with you? Uh, it It's fair. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to be talking about uniforms part two. However... I wanted to talk a little bit about my trip to L.A. I, I wanted your input because I immediately thought of you when oh, this was oh. happening. I did. I did. Um, <laughs> okay. So on Saturday, on our, on our trip there, after the game, we went to have dinner at an Italian restaurant in Beverly Hills. Yeah. It sounds much more swanky than it really was. Trust me. Well, it sounds like it would be terrible. It, it was they, it's wow, actually Italians in California. Wow. Oh, we're going to do this? Are we going to drop that? 
All right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's you, man. I'm not going to back you up on it. <laughs> that's your battle. <laughs> um, so we went to this this nice restaurant uh, in Beverly Hills. First of all, blew my mind the idea that I was having dinner in Beverly Hills because I never did that before. And that was never something that I thought I would have attainable for me. Um <laughs> So, and there's a problem. Hold on. Shnikes. One second. Okay. Paired and connect. Let's do it. All right. Say something. There we go. Okay. Nice. <laughs> now, that was you last time. So... <laughs> So anyway, so we're having dinner and it's very nice. We had a very long day. We're very tired and we're out. We're sitting outside because, you know, they, they built all along the, the you're falling asleep. Stop it. Um, OK, so we're sitting outside. It's late. Things are winding yeah. down. There is one customer literally out there with us. Right. The table behind me. There's a bunch of other tables all around. This customer, I swear to God, takes out his phone and starts just blaring music from it. Like, literally decides, I'm going to blast my own ass music. It, it, I don't care about these people sitting next to me. At the restaurant. At the restaurant. It was so loud, I had to Shazam it. And I could Shazam it because it was that loud. The real and question is, was it good? Here, I got, I got it. It is. It's from the genre, uh, and and I did not know this, the genre of Persiana Americana. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, the, the accent now makes sense, so it's Persian American music? That's what it was. Now, the man was speaking Italian. So, <laughs> I mean, like, he's, he's sitting there. I could have sworn he was he was he was Italian. He was speaking Italian to the the, the waiter, and <laughs> he's blasting this music, and I want to just throw my lasagna at him. My question is: Has this happened to you? Um, have I had somebody sitting at the table blasting music? I've I've ridden in elevators, cars where people just get on the phone and just start talking. Like, dude, yeah, we're all here. <laughs> the the boundaries of social norms just continue to just explode. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. You get people doing all sorts of dumb shit. I was walking on. I was. Oh, you had a flashback. <laughs> you just had... 
walking back to the bathroom. Uh, I think I was flying out of Texas uh, somewhere. And there were two clear young soldiers, not in uniform, but they were soldiers. Oh, yeah. They had the camouflage backpacks, they had high and tight. They, <laughs> they were looking at porn on the guy's phone. Oh, no. That's, first of all, that's awful. Um, at the airport? On the airplane. On the airplane. On the airplane. Okay. All right. This brings me to another thing. First of all, what happened to them? Anything? No, it wasn't one of those chartered military flights. I think I was flying on my way somewhere. No, but you could have pulled rank on them, right? Well, in retrospect, I probably should have, but I really had to use the <laughs> when I came out, it was, they weren't watching it anymore. Okay. All right. Well. Uh, Look, I have some simple rules in my life, and at the top of that list is I soil myself for no one. Okay, I know that's a good rule to live by. Uh, I'm not not in disagreement, but speaking of rules to live by, the inadvertent airplane nudity. Okay, so they weren't. No, they weren't. But here's the thing. The in-flight entertainment has nudity. So obvious and this is this is only a product of like laptops being able to play movies from then to the the current right yeah. uh obviously they didn't show nudity on in-flight entertainment the official in-flight entertainment but i was on an airplane in like 06 07 and there was this kid i swear he's probably 13 years old had this big ass laptop in front of him he was in the aisle and he was watching Euro Trip. Now, okay, except there's a long scene where they're at a nude beach with naked old guys and full dong flapping in the breeze on all of them. <laughs> I'm like, there's there are children. Was there an internet? Was it an international flight? No, no, this is a, no, this is, I think I was actually flying to New England, actually. Well, then that's a domestic flight, so that should be illegal. You know, once you get into international airspace, things are a little fuzzy. What, you just hang dong? Like. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I don't. You can't take the American out of me. <laughs> it's okay. I can't either. I, I went to, when I was in Saudi, we would go to uh, the resort to snorkel or, or dive at. We'd go, and there was all these Europeans who would go there because it was a Western-only resort. And the Italians would always roll in with these banana hammocks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was this one old dude who was actually he was a dive master and he be, they became he and his wife became uh, really good friends of ours because they lived on our on our compound. Wonderful people. This dude had this sweetest mustache goatee. He had this nice kind of thin pencil mustache, this little sweet 
little chin, little little points here on his beard. <laughs> they were wonderful people, you know, but he was like a 60-year-old man with a paunchy gut and a banana hammock. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care. It's great. They were uh. <laughs> a party the Italian consulate. It was awesome. Yeah. But, um. <laughs> and there's just no rules in life anymore. It seems like. No, there, there really, there really aren't. And and. Speaking of Saudi, you think you want to talk about rules on the airplane? Flying Saudia Airlines, the Saudi national airline, flying out of uh, Europe into the kingdom. I shit you not. <clears throat> All cleavage is censored when you're watching in flight stuff oh. in the back. Oh. Cleavage is censored, even if it's not gratuitous, even if it's just like a little, it's blurred. Yeah. Any skirts above the knee, all blurred. <laughs> the cross, blurred. The cross? Oh yeah. Wow. Wow. Christian or Jewish religious icon. Fascinating. I remember flying and watching The Martian. That scene where Damon's in the bunk with the big wooden cross twirling yeah. it. He's talking about it. it was blurred. He could have been holding a dildo. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's kind of, if this was the U.S., that's what would happen. Right. <laughs> Does he have? So is that the first time you were watching The Martian and he was, yeah. you're, you're just sitting here like, what? It was so bad that they had to blur it out. Like, because that would be crossing my mind. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like, well, I figured it was something like that because I remember watching an episode of 30 Rock I had seen, but I just enjoy the show. There was a scene in a church where the character of Jack is giving a eulogy for his mother. And it's a Catholic church, right? Because they're Irish Catholics. Yeah. And I can see the sconces where you know there's a big crucifix in there, and they're all blurred. I'm like, and short skirts, but they're blurring the cross. I get it. I see. Oh wow, wow. I see you. Yeah. I see you, Abdul. I do. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> Their violence, but a little kneecap, and definitely some cross. No, you naughty man. <laughs> well, Every I mean, we have this... start with a prayer being read in English and in Arabic, a prayer from the Prophet Muhammad for safe travels. Mm. Well, I take that. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll take any prayer for safe travel. <laughs> sure. Ever since I actually started having like a family, as soon as I got engaged, I started getting scared of flying. Not scared, but you know, just a little nervous. Because well, I no, have I things to live for. That. For me, <laughs> somebody before I went to Europe on that first trip, you know, that uh, international trip that we both did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody gave me a St. Christopher's medal. 
and my mother made sure I, I brought it to mass one day and had the pastor bless it. For traveling. Oh. I still wear it. I prefer to wear it anytime I'm traveling anywhere. I wear it most every day. So I've worn it on all of my deployments. I've worn it under a uniform. While over, while over in Saudi, I made sure to not let it pop out because that was something that if you get the, you know, um, epic douchebaggery of the, the Mutawa, the religious police, to jump on you for, so. Really? Even as a soldier, a foreign soldier? Oh, yeah, because they're dicks. Uh, <laughs> man. Yeah, it just makes you appreciate the good old U.S. of A. that much more. At least, in my opinion. There's not many places in this world that I would feel comfortable in outside of, like, America, Canada, Australia, Japan. I'd feel very comfortable in Japan. Um, New Zealand. Mm, parts of France. But <laughs> not, not Germany. I wouldn't feel comfortable in Germany. <laughs> no, because even even some of the white areas, I don't I wouldn't want to go into like uh, Iceland. I'm all for it. Poland, not so much. Like, <laughs> dude. Was Poland lovely? No, I've never been, but the Poles love us. They keep taking oh. us over there every now that the Russians are, are firing up and being dicks again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're always rotating U.S. soldiers over there. The Germans don't want us there anymore, but the Poles, the Hungarians, fucking all those guys, Latvia, they all want us over there now. Eastern yeah. Europe, Poles, all these people who used to be squashed under the Soviets. Well, yeah. I mean, geez, Louise, like, we're like the last line of defense for them. Why do we need you? So what are we doing here now? Well, here, Mac, we are going to be discussing part two of our sci-fi uniforms. Okay. Now, we, we, we did a whole lot of reviews in part one yes. of Covered very specifically... Sequest, various types from Star Wars, uh, Stargate, the Oralville... Uh, am I missing anything? Um, Stargate, Atlantis. No, I think we got them all. Yep. And a lot of Star Wars. Well, we but, did do a lot of Star Wars. But we didn't do all of Star Wars. So... No. That being said, why don't you pick us up where we left off? So there's like two major factions, really, that we didn't really dive into in the ways of uniforms. The first is the Mandalorians. The Mandalorians, the warrior culture, where their armor, which was basically designed to stop Jedi, has become part of their culture, particularly some of the more militaristic sects, such as Children of the Way, which is what Mando from The Mandalorian belonged to. Uh, mm -hmm. People like Death Watch and some of the more traditional Mandalorians. Whereas the new Mandalorians under the uh, Duchess Satine Kreese had kind of gone away from that. 
but the standard Mandalorian uniform is uh, a full helmet with a T visor. Uh, it basically plate. looks the the aesthetics are very similar to Boba Fett. Right, chest plates, uh, vibrances, um, gauntlets, uh, thighs, knees, um, elbows, shins, and a rectal protector, but no codpiece. No, no codpiece. Yeah, yeah, right. No codpiece. Huh. And, of course, usually equipped with various sorts of gizmos, gadgets, weapons, and um, sexual pleasuring devices. Oh, God. That we're going to allow in, though. We're going to allow that in. The guy, the guy, they do like, they they do like wrapping people up with that uh, bondage launcher. Oh, jeez. You're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) R-rated jokes aside, they are filled with numerous types of weapons. They do have a, most of them have a wrist launcher that launches um, some sort of grappling or snaring wire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flamethrowers. Use it on Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi and Mando using it on uh, Ahsoka in the Jedi episode, mm-hmm. as well as for other people getting snared and yanked by the Mandalorians. Uh, the jet pack is, a, is like a phase three or phase. It's like a, uh, it's like a, a boss level upgrade in, in uniform. <laughs> Mando didn't even have one at the beginning. No, so. he kind of, yeah, he kind of video game leveled up. As each yeah. mission completed. <laughs> he had a helmet and a pauldron, and that was like it, I think, in, it, with like the Beskar. And it's all made out of the near-indestructible Beskar armor, which can resist lightsabers, most uh, energy weapons, uh, and it's one of the few you know, materials that can actually penetrate Beskar itself is Beskar. Now, let me say this. I had no idea what Baskar Steel was when the Mandalorian started. So I'm sure that a lot of people who are much more familiar with Mandalorian lore kind of like lost their lost their S when uh, Baskar was uh, <laughs> revealed by Werner Herzog. Well, you see, the thing is, you know, it it was mostly in legends and, you know, source material. Mm-hmm. That the armor was made out of this nigh-indestructible kind of material, and that was something that hadn't really been mentioned, I think, in can. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. It was start, it, they did start mentioning it in things like the Clone Wars and in Rebels. In fact, it was. Did they uh, mention it? Big... Beskar. And occasionally known as Mandalorian Steel. There you go. Okay. See, I and I didn't I didn't watch Rebels enough to even catch that. It could have been said, but uh I just I had no idea. So when with Sabine 
being in Rebels and stuff and talking about Mandalore and everything. I'm like, I have no idea what that is. But cool, she has a helmet that's very similar to Boba Fett. wonder what that's all about. Like, <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, but it turns out there's a whole planet called Mandalore where that was their style. And yeah. here's the and question. What? Did they... And did they decide to create Mandalore um, under the the style of the the uh, uh, armor that Boba Fett had? Yes. Because Boba Fett came first. We all know this. And Boba Fett was very popular, and George Lucas kind of created a little bit of this background, and then it really grew in the Legends continuity for a long, long time. The history of Mandalore, the warriors. Really? Okay, so it was in Legends and in the books and stuff. Yeah, I. You know their rivalry with the Jedi, and uh, then Filoni and George Lucas brought it into the Clone Wars, where they really kind of made it a deal. But then again, um, actually before that, they they brought in Jango Fett, right? Yeah. Which in Jango Fett was the template for all the clones, and if you notice, at times clone armor and and items. There's some similarities to some of the Mandalorian stuff. Yes. Which is why you get um, <clears throat> you get hostility at times from Mandalorians against clone troopers because they think they're fake. And of course, then there's also the the Imperial occupation of Mandalore after uh, after the end of the Clone Wars. But was it? It wasn't clones that occupied Mandalore, right? Well, at first they did. Did they? Okay. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. I uh, I just I, I always found it interesting. Like they just went ahead and made this whole planet, and, and okay. So I mean, and Lucas was involved and and whatnot. I it was just it felt. And there's nothing wrong with it, by the way. I, this is just my perception of it coming into it late like that. On the too deep. I know. I know. Well, you know, we're talking about uniforms and stuff, but we got to spice it up a little but bit. It, but it, it's part of their culture, right? Right. And certain sects of them, like the more conservative, traditional, you know, old-fashioned ones, the ones who want to go back to their warrior roots are the ones who like Din Djarin, you know, the whole I can't take my helmet off to anybody. Mm -hmm. This is the way and that's the way and hey, there's Ray and all that stuff. So. Uh, so that becomes a big deal. So obviously you can see like as far as from the Mandalorian perspective, TV show, it must be obvious that they get their helmets first. Because then, you know, after like a certain age, when they start to choose the path of the Mandalore, they have to put their helmet on. They can't show it to anybody. Right. Although I think it, there's exceptions for, it might be exceptions for, say, spouses. I'm not entirely sure. But anyway, then you well, get. That's not what Din Djarin said. Well, he doesn't have a spouse. Well, I mean, there is the. That woman on that planet. Yeah, she, you know, spouse. No, but did he ever say that even? Well, OK, no, never mind. He said that if he wanted to settle down with someone like her, 
he would have to lose the ways of the Mandalore and yeah. not be Mandalorian that's anymore. That's the way of his clan. Right. Which is what blew his mind when he saw you know, <laughs> Bo-Katan. And... <laughs> Bo-Katan all like, you know, you're not the only Mandalorians out there, dude. You know, <laughs> we can take our shit off. Yeah. Which I liked that because at the first season, I mean, and the first episode of the second season when um, we see Timothy Oliphant, what's his name? Um, Bob Vanth. Yeah. Uh, Cobb Vanth take off his helmet. You know, Din Djarin's like, give me the armor. Who did you kill? But <laughs> it's like immediately it, that was his first reaction. He wanted to say that to Bo-Katan and her friends. Obviously, number one, he was out. He, he was outnumbered. Yeah. <laughs> and number two, but he was just shocked. Like, well, they, they obviously know the ways of Mandalore. And are are you know very gifted warriors, but yeah, it was it was fun how they showed that conflict in him, it, it, so subtle, it was all Which body language. Bro, despite the fact that he has seen different sects of Mandalorians, the fact that he's revealed his face in order to save Grogu and then to Grogu. Which, of course, there were plenty of other people around, not just Grogu for that. Um, you can see that there's a, a conflict in him, whether, you know, but it's like kind of what he grows up in. So when he's being excommunicated in the book of Boba Fett, it's, it's still hard for him to shake that. Well, I mean, that was his life. I mean. Right. So. But anyway, you know, various clans have different things that they have clan markings uh, that they wear on their shoulder pauldrons and on a lot of their equipment. They carry blaster rifles. Uh, Many of them have, you know, uh, a rocket launcher on their big rocket launcher on their uh, jet pack. Then they have other smaller like little, you know, like little sniper missiles built into some of their gear. Uh, They have the wire thrower on one side and the flamethrower on the other. Uh, A lot of them have the extra optic sight that looks like Mm -hmm. an antenna and then down. Yeah. They've got a lot of gizmos in their stuff. And again, most of their weapons and, and features for their armor came because you know of their continuous conflicts with the Jedi. It enables them to defeat the Jedi. Mm-hmm. To try to match them anyway. So it I shouldn't ask this question. Never mind. <laughs> All right, I'll ask. If Why I'm is there such to... bad blood between the Mandalorians and the Jedi? According to lore, Mandalorians grew in power and they were, you know, they became, it was all conquest. That was their way of life. So they would conquer systems, they would conquer worlds, subjugate. It wasn't like nice or anything. And the Jedi rose up to stop them. Mm. And the Jedi were able to stop them. And then, and so there had been numerous 
uprisings of the Mandalorians and, and every time they rise, it'd be like the Republic and then Jedi would have to stop them. And then they started creating equipment uh, to counter Jedi's abilities. Plus, then, uh, and then the Darksaber comes in and the Darksaber is in all recorded history, there's only one recorded Mandalorian Jedi, Tar right. Vizsla, who right. was a Force user who became a Jedi, and he created the Darksaber, which was a special black lightsaber, which has its own unique properties. When he died, the Jedi kept it in the temple, but then the Mandalorians raided it, take it back, and then it became symbol of... The, uh, of the leadership of Mandalore until, you know, the Republic finally had to put the Mandalorians basically down and say, knock it the fuck off, <laughs> blasted a good chunk of the surface and said, uh, you know, knock it off. And then you had the rise of the new Mandalorians who, uh, you know, were a little more pacifistic. Gotcha. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That's good enough for me. So, um, now it's interesting. One last thing, because I wasn't sure this is uniform related. I, I, I saw when they introduced the dark saber, uh, that episode mm-hmm. in clone wars voiced coincidentally enough by John Favreau, uh, the guy who had it. Right. Now, that's not the same character as the one that John Favreau plays in The Mandalorian, right? No. The the character now same clan, their clan Vizsla, Tar Vizsla, and then his long descendant Pre Vizsla, who was the uh whatever uh, the governor of the moon of Concordia who was actually the yep. head of Death Watch who you know, joined with Maul and fought against, you know, true Mandalorians and helped conquer Mandalore and yada yada. And then there was Paz Vizsla, is the character from The Mandalorian, who is a member of Clan Vizsla. Right. Okay. And as you can see, it's not just a uniform of these Mandalorians, it's part of their culture, their heritage. Yeah. You know, the unif- the the armor is a lot of times is handed down. You know, Boba Fett wore his father's armor that he repainted, but a lot of other Mandalorians hand their armor down. Uh-huh. To their to to their families. So it's it's special stuff can be reforged, expanded upon, and it's almost always made out of the Beskar armor. Well, and and again, I had no idea what Baskar armor was, so I, I kind of feel cheated for not knowing that. Beskar. 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 I feel cheated for not knowing that when that was revealed in The Mandalorian, but that's only my own ignorance and my own fault. So there were plenty of other holy S moments, but oh, I'll guarantee you the one where they showed the Darksaber was a weird moment. But 
again had no idea about it <laughs> it was a giddy moment for me i'm like oh uh, shit is, is that the dark saber yeah yeah oh believe like, me uh, Clone Wars. yeah people were texting me like oh my god that's the dark saber i'm like i have no idea what you mean i'm it's cool looking <laughs> but yeah i know I know. I need a hand in my geek card, just like how I didn't see Star Trek 2009 the opening weekend. It's okay. Now, before we leave the Star Wars universe, I do want to mention the Jedi. Because the Jedi kind of have a uniform, but they kind of don't. You know, uh, Okay. They have a style. They have a style. You know, it's the, uh, the the brown robe with the simple, you know, with the white and brown tunics. Yeah, it's a gi, basically. Huh? It's like a gi. Yeah, and... A karate gi. Not karate, that, though. Yeah, but you see, uh, particularly in A New Hope, you'll actually see, like, Uncle Owen is wearing something very similar to what Obi-Wan wears. Just without the, you know, more pronounced hooded robes. So, yeah, no, it's a good point. Legends said that the Jedi tried to dress like the more common people until times of war when they would have to, like, wear hybrid armor stuff and yeah, these things. But, but, but the robe was kind of the thing that would, in a lot of ways be the Jedi, that brown robe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Younglings wear them. You'd see Padawans. You'd see, uh, you know, full-fledged Jedi. If you were a Jedi, would you wear the brown robe? Probably. I'm sure it would have been indoctrinated into me. I'd like to what think what, what what is good about the Clone Wars is that it shows them like ditching the robes when they were in combat and wearing like <laughs> yeah. armor. And stuff, so. No, no, definitely. I'd like to think that I would wear a white robe. Okay, Gandalf. Yeah, I would. And I would be. I'd be Mac the Mac the White. That sounds. And egotistical for a Jedi. Um, I am not a typical Jedi. I would be a terrible Jedi. I'd, let's let's just be clear. <laughs> I would be an awful Jedi. <laughs> so. well, we've quite a bit, and I think it's time we move along. Out of the All galaxy, right. far away. I want to do a quick pit stop in another galaxy before we get to Star Trek because there was one I was thinking about. Mm. The brown coats. Oh, yeah. We didn't get to see a lot of that. We only saw the duster mostly, but the yeah, the brown coats. Firefly. Yes, and the brown coats were the, those were the, the rebels um, like that Mal and Zoe and others were. Uh, you do see, and what they call them, the purple bellies, that was the alliance, and what turns out were actually some leftover uh, 
uniforms and equipment from Starship Troopers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were. Actually, Starship Troopers lent out that stuff to a lot of different franchises. Yeah, uh, they used it. They used it for uh, was it uh, Power Rangers in space? I, uh, Power Rangers well, of all things. Well, the the Alliance had you know this kind of grayish purpley helmet and body armor and kind of grayish under you know like uniform underneath. Mm-hmm. And, you know their ships look like cathedrals. Yes, they do. And their uniformed officers look very much like the Wehrmacht. Yeah, they did. Similar to the Empire, kind of gray, drab. Dickish. uh, Yeah. Oh, God, absolutely. And the old science. It basically was, uh, it was basically douchebag alert. (laughs) Be be ready. (laughs) Well, and then the the brown coats were literally like dudes in brown dusters and they were mm-hmm. essentially cowboys and confederates in space that's basically what joss whedon's uh premise was is like you know what you know from the perspective of the losing side of a war like what happens if the confederates were went to space you know so that's basically yeah. what it was right and except except you know no slavery I mean, hell, the the bounty hunter and whatever it was, the I think it was the last aired episode. It was one. Of, actually, it was one of the unaired episodes, one of the last produced episodes. This bounty hunter who I was trying to take out everybody on the Serenity. Yeah. Uh, his name was Jubal Early, which is the name of a Confederate general. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I, I don't know if it was. The character was black. That it was black man who was. (laughs) (laughs) He was a scary dude because he was just so efficient in in what he did. It's it's the efficiency that scares you, you know? Like. Yeah. And yet another dude who just peeled back a little bit of the onion that book was not, maybe not a true shepherd, that there was something going on there. Mm hmm. No, yeah. Shepherd had a past. Joss Whedon wrote a book called The Shepherd's Tale, and it turns out that before he became a shepherd, he'd been an alliance agent and just like a street thug. It was he he worked very hard to get to that peace and that change. (laughs) (laughs) I I gotta say, um, I was thoroughly pleased with. uh... We're not talking about it, but I was thoroughly pleased with Serenity because it did feel like a good bookend, but it made me, it also made me wish for a whole lot more, yeah. you know? It also, you know, it also, you know, kind of broke your heart a little bit too because you lost two really good characters. You lost Wash. Ugh. Good old yeah. Wash. And uh, Jan could have died. I would have been fine with Jan dying. Jane? Jane. Sorry, Jane, yeah. <laughs> He's the kind of character you expect to die. It's either yeah. like the big, tough dude or the plucky sidekick. And, well, the plucky yeah. sidekick. And, of course, all the 
mentor and the plucky sidekick, a lot of times they die. And who dies? The mentor and the plucky sidekick. Mm-hmm. Shepard and, and the plucky sidekick wash. That was a tough, those are tough losses, man. Those were hard to see. Like that that was I wasn't expecting so much death in the movie. I should have, but it's funny because I I know. No, he wasn't. And and my perspective of it was I had just finished watching Firefly for the first time on DVD. Like I watched it like I did a binge watch on it. I'm like, sweet. We got Serenity coming up. All right. And then I saw Serenity and I, I was heartbroken. Oh, it was rough. Yeah. Uh, that's basically what happened with me, too, because, like, I found an episode on an, an old share drive downrange in Iraq, and I watched it. I'm like, hmm, this is pretty good. So when I got yeah. back and watched the series, like, oh, yeah, the whole series was good. And I bought the movie. So that worked. Yeah. It was also a bummer because it's like, and that's the end, and that blows. <laughs> yeah. Person One season in a movie. Trail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dust, <laughs> mosey down the dusty trail. It was like <clears throat> Wash because he always had the dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> playing. You know, the Tyrannosaurus and like, like the Triceratops. He's like, you know, he's like, I will eat you. And he's like, ah, oh, curse your inevitable betrayal. Yeah. <laughs> that's peak Joss Whedon dialogue right there. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. But that's basically what he should have said to Fox. Ah, oh, curse your inevitable betrayal. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, Fox doesn't really know how to treat it sci-fi, do they? <laughs> really not. But, folks, we know what time it is now. Star Trek time! Star Trek. <coughs> first say that as far as uniforms go, the original series uniforms, hot garbage. Garbage okay. indeed, yes. <laughs> as a functioning uniform for a military. Are they colorful and iconic? Hell yeah. Absolutely. Can I picture myself wearing, you know, a gold command uniform in a, in a on Halloween? Maybe. They're actually not my favorites of the uniforms. No, they're not. And, unfortunately, since the original series. Nobody else has followed the one unit identif- unif- un- uniform identifier <clears throat> that they actually had. So in the original series, you had command or gold. Mm-hmm. Blue was medical and science. Mm-hmm. And then you had the Red, which was security and ops engineering. Yep. So that's where the term red shirt comes from. Usually some security guards being down on the away team and get zapped. So that's where the term red shirt comes from. Yep. <laughs> Kirk also had this green kind of uh, gut hugger wrap 
That yeah. Like casual. That, that Why do you come is, back quarters kind of thing? It really was. I never understood that, and I never understood Picard's blue shirt with the red jacket. Gray shirt. Was it gray? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it was, you know, on, on standard, it kind of like, looks blue. Like on standard definition. The, the velvet sweater with the... Uh, yeah, the the velvet, velvet sweater with the red jacket that had the 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 the, the leather jacket. shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> like, didn't he wear that in Darmok in 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 the episode Darmok? He wore it in Darmok, and I think he wore it at the end of. Um... What was the one where he go? Q brings him back to live his life. Oh, Tapestry. Tapestry, yeah. And one or two others. But yeah, those were ones that stood out. And yeah. But I mean, we're not even at the next gen yet. Because remember, no. the women all had to wear the miniskirts, too. Yes. The go-go boots, the miniskirts. You have to wonder why that's not a standard issue in the modern military playbook. You have to wonder. Female dress uniforms for a long time were skirts. Now they have the option of pants. Which that, when did they start doing that? Because I feel like at any point when they actually said you could do pants for a dress uniform for women, it already was too late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that never should have been a, a, a mandatory thing, skirt only. I get it. I understand product of its time and everything, but man, just oh, weird. Was, uh, I was, it was just a barrel of, uh, barrel of inequity, really. Yeah. But to say, you get a lot of things that come out of it. So, the original series uniforms I felt were meh. They beamed down. In the cage, oh. they actually had, and because the cage had only two uniforms, blue and gold, uh, and so did the original. The ne the next pilot, where no man has gone before. They also only had uh, blue and gold. Yep, they had those, uh, and they those early ones had like the big like turtleneck collars. Like yeah, puffy. They looked a little bit more like uh, cardigans. Yeah, they did. Because <laughs> they were. <laughs> uh, but in the cage, the landing party, I think is what they called them at the time, they went down in, and they had jackets. Yeah, they did. Which made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. The jackets were gray. Which made them stand out a little less than blue and yeah. blue. Yeah. <laughs> really helps you blend into fake backgrounds better in those gray jackets. Mm-hmm. But you get into... But then that's it. I mean, they have shiny ones with, like, a, a center... Uh, uh, like, obviously, a fastener zipper or something in their dress uniforms. But there was typically... A a pullover shirt with 
black pants and black boots. That was the uniform. There was no tactical uniform in the original series. Um, and in the original series, the what we are now familiar with, the Starfleet Delta, was only the Enterprise's logo. Right. Every other starship had some sort of different one. So that was basically its unit ID. Can I tell you something? What? I became a fan. I knew of the original Star Trek series, but I became a Star Trek fan through the next generation, right? Yes. Now, our local Fox affiliate back in the day, during the summer, instead of airing reruns of the next generation, at six o'clock, they would air reruns of the original series. They did that for a couple years during the summer. The first time I saw a full TNG, I'm sorry, TOS episode, and I saw that insignia, which was like that cheap iron on like rainbow reflective material, I was filled with revulsion. Revulsion at the idea like, what is this cheap piece of crap? That they <laughs> ironed on to this shirt. <laughs> in the 1960s, man, that's what it was. Wow, I'm sitting there like it's not even a real badge. It's not even real. <laughs> well, it's not a com badge. It was just a. It was just like a unit uh, six. True, and, and now <laughs> the original in-universe explanation as to why the movies all Starfleet personnel. Or the Delta was that Starfleet adopted it due to the legendary success of Captains April, Pike, and Kirk. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, just throw it out the fucking window. Well, that Discovery did that. Yeah, Discovery just threw it out the fucking window. Crossed out the window. Now everybody's in a Delta. And to be honest with you, um, I actually think JJ threw that out first because they were all wearing Deltas. Now that I think about it. But that, that was a separate universe, so you never know. But they were wearing deltas in the Kelvin, though. They were in, in yeah. the pre EOS era. So, needless to say, there were a lot of that. That has kind of, I guess, been retconned out. You don't really see that much. Which it didn't have. The last time you saw that was in Mirror Darkly. Oh. Wait, the, the Enterprise episode? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they cared about canon. Mostly. And they, well, <laughs> when the ISS Enterprise was destroyed and they took all the people, uh, you know, as much of the crew as possible, got on the Defiant, half the crew ended up, like, all the, all the main cast, for the most part, all... It was like, oh, our uniforms are all messed up and whatnot. So they all just put on these 23rd century uniforms from like the Defiance crew's clothing. Yeah. They're all wearing original series stuff, but they had the Defiance logo on there. Yeah. Not the Delta Shield. Not, not the Delta Shield. Which that makes sense. That makes sense. It's... Which was nice. I appreciate that. And of course, the mirror universe, you always like to see established crews go in there and choose scenery. They're fun. Even if at times they don't have the biggest bearing on the plot of what 
whatever season is going on or story on. Oh yeah, just, you know what I'm talking about. I, I enjoyed them. That <laughs> was the problem. That was the problem with Discovery going into the Mirror Universe was that they weren't around long enough for us to care about seeing their evil twin. No, and we never even really saw their evil twins. No, they we never no they they were the discovery was immediately destroyed, wasn't it? Upon the the ISS discovery being immediately destroyed as soon as like they got there, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, more often than not, you only like I think the only person who met their mirror counterpart was Kira. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good God. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so, okay. well, getting back to the uniforms, uh, the best was, <clears throat> well, that, and then you move into the movie years, right? And you had this 1970s, like, spandex jumpsuit, nut huggers in, in the uh, motion picture. Mm-hmm. Which was all, and they kind of the way. I mean, they had like three or four different colors. They had like Kirk's admiral uniform was white and green with shoulder straps, yep. like Civil War era shoulder straps. And then you have, then the, then their command was like gray, and then there was white, and there was tan, and there was like there was like three or four. There was like four different colors or five different colors of uniforms that you couldn't quite pick out. Of course, it was very seventies. Uhura had an afro, bones beams aboard with a fucking in a leisure suit, <laughs> leisure suit a, and a, a medallion. Yeah, and a and a, a massive brewer's beard, man. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, it was totally seventies. They had the little, I don't know, uh, the the fats. Uh, remember the fucking thing that you know they used to sell on infomercials you, you strap it to your stomach and it zaps the fat away they had those on the on the uniforms yeah yeah, like yeah. <laughs> they were all very skin tight and like probably a precursor to what the crew of the next generation wore in the first two seasons mm-hmm. but they were they were just so drab just like the uniforms that the neutral planet would have. Well, there, it was a product of, you know, a 2000, 2001, a space odyssey. What what they thought science fiction should look like. It was a very washed color palette. Yeah, it was a washed out color palette. Absolutely. Like, I mean, because so, in the future, it's supposed to be clean and there's not supposed to be a lot of color. It's because, you know, showing all that white and gray showed cleanliness and um sophistication of machinery and things like that those uniforms couldn't go away fast enough no (laughs) they brought out arguably one of the best uniforms in star trek what some people call the monster maroons what other people call Mm -hmm. i like to call the military maroons they're the wrath of khan first appearance of these red jackets that have you know they have a shoulder strap where their rank goes they have the new starfleet delta with a circle and then on a bar 
that was uh, you know kind of where the, all the Starfleet insignia and or communicators would go mm-hmm. in past year, future years. Black bo- uh, black trousers with a the yellow trim and, and black high boots, and then this big uh, white foreskinny turtleneck with like this quilted collar that comes up out of the uh, the red jacket. And that uniform Which, basically stayed around for like 80 years. Yes, because it was awesome. I mean, your, your, your contention is it was too dressy for every single, you know, duty, but it's still awesome. It was, and I like it, and uh, I liked it a lot, actually. I thought it was a very sharp uniform. It looked very good for, it looked, it looked like a good militaristic. dress uniform. Yeah. It was very Royal Navy-inspired. Yeah. High collar, red, uh, although the Royal Navy wore blue, but red. Um, and, of course, the that's what, you know, Nicholas Meyer kind of wanted to go with. It's kind of almost age of sail type Royal Navy, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it, it's much Horatio Hornblower looking one. And so they had the undershirts were the ones that denoted the change of, of uh, uniform color. So command wore the white. Your engineers wore that was only in starting in Star Trek Five. No, Savick wore, didn't she wear red underneath? Mm, maybe. Mm. There was a modification in Star Trek V to the uniform. Um, you had some people who wore gray. You had a yellow, like, mustard color. There was a yellow. There was a red. There was a gray. You're absolutely right. Uh, Ah. Let's see. Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Do we have any pictures? Medical was green because Bones wore green. Yeah, his was green. Nope. Damn it. Well, then what did they do in Star Trek Five? It doesn't look green here, but. You're right. Uh, Hulu, uh, Sulu, Hulu, Sulu wore yellow, that mustard yellow. Mm-hmm. And it looks like Uhura wore white. Nope, she wore gray. And Savic wore red. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Oh, look at me oh, being okay. the fool. Like always. See, I didn't even need to say it this time. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, you get these, um, and that that made sense too because you had a base uniform that everybody wore, and then you had some highlights. Mm-hmm. See, and, and and the the I think were the wristbands also the same color as the collar. They were. Okay, so that is something that you see in the United States Army. Mm-hmm. My dress uniform, like all of the branches, have a color scheme. Infantry is a sky blue, artillery is red, 
those air defense artillery uh engineers are red with white border uh military intelligence is dark blue uh the logistics corps is brown your medical service your your medical your medical service corps are a maroon armor is gold uh, mps are green and so when I would wear my dress uniform, the the dark blue jacket and the blue uh-huh. pants, yellow highlights, and the yellow stripes down the side, you would have your shoulder boards. And back when we were wearing suspenders in our uniforms, your suspenders were also supposed to be the color of your shoulder boards. And at times, people would encourage you to wear socks that color as well. So. You would have people uh, say, "I in my dress uniform, I was armor. So I had a uh, uh, gold band around my wrists, on my my uniform sleeves, on my what we call them the bus driver caps, but the big formal caps. We would have our gold band around the uh, brim line." We would wear uh, golden shoulder boards and gold suspenders and gold socks. So very, very similar. We have our divisions, our branches in the army have a independent color scheme as well. It's reflected in our units uh, guidons, our mm-hmm. flags. Armor is gold, infantry is blue, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of neat. It allowed us to have everybody have their own ship. Yeah. Starfleet was doing that as well. Right? And those maroon uniforms went all the way up at least until the 2340s, where we can pinpoint that they were being used in the 2340s when yesterday's Enterprise comes out. And the old Enterprise comes back. The Enterprise C comes back to the rift. And they're all yeah. wearing red blouses with the. And what I did forget is there was also a black belt that went across the waist with a big Starfleet insignia. The Delta. The Delta yeah. in a circle as as the buckle. Now, in the 2340s, the turtleneck is gone. And <laughs> Which the, it looked weird. It did. But it felt it felt kind of, kind of naked, like a little bit. But you could see that they were trying to show that the uniform was progressing towards where they were going to be. And then you have the the Starfleet logo on their chest, the metal pin. They turn that into the first communicator badges. Mm-hmm. That's so those right. Uniforms, a variation of those uniforms lasted from the twenty-three, the twenty. 280s to at least the 2340s. We know by the 2350s they converted to the uh, the next generation first two seasons uniforms because you see them in flashbacks to the 2350s mm-hmm. of Maxie and when Jack Crusher dies. So you see those and that's pretty fascinating. Um, I love those uniforms. I think they're very fitting formal they, they just looked great I, they, they they there there was a regalness to them 
yeah. There was a established military hierarchy look to them. Mm -hmm. They looked official. They didn't look like jammies. No. <laughs> but here's the interesting thing. That also brought back the mission-type uniforms. Remember when they beamed down in Wrath of Khan to regular one? And mm -hmm. They had the, the big uh, cold-weather jackets. Yep. That was pretty good. That should I like that. That should made sense. Yeah, logic. of course it did. Because it was environmental. So they wore those. And then when they... Star Trek 4... Uh, Star Trek 5 showed um, a tactical version where they didn't wear the... Uh, basically, it was like a gray... Or tan pullover uh, or something. Pullover sweater. Mm hmm. Um, I think a matching color pair of pants, the black boots. Mm hmm. That was a bit more of a field uniform, which they used when they led the uh, assault on what is it, Paradise City, the capital of Nimbus 3, to free the diplomats. Yeah. Uh, the and the security personnel actually wear um, headgear and body armor, and you know throughout the, the last five TOS movies, their security had those. They had belts that they could put their phasers on, but they had body armor and helmets. Again, practical makes sense, right? You see mm -hmm. this like. You see various engineering uniforms. You see that the enlisted have like a jumpsuity kind of multicolored uniform throughout the latter movies, right? Uh-huh. Uh, which was good that, you know, kind of shows that, well, at least it, it showed a bit more of a practical uniform. But you get to see... Things like the, uh, the the, uh, the pressure suits that they wore in Star Trek VI, the assassins wore. Yeah. Environmental suits, those were pretty cool. You see the, the white kind of environmental protection suits that Scotty wears in Wrath of Khan. Plus, you get to see... Uh, sorry, I'm... Uh, stumbling. Uh, the tactical security teams during the assault on Nimbus 3 also carried shields. Yeah. No, it's true. Riot shields. It was pretty cool the, that those uniforms, and of course, maybe it was movie budget, and of course, them keeping the same uniform through five movies helped. Six, really, when you realize that they wore them in the first 20 minutes of generations. Uh -huh. <laughs> so you get to see that, and that's excellent. Of course, they got reused a couple of times in the next generation. Uh -huh. you know, the, the, when Star Trek did its crossover with Frasier uh, at the end of Cause and Effect, <laughs> Kelsey Grammer and his crew are wearing those uniforms. Yeah. <clears throat> Voyager has them back in those uniforms during flashback 
And you'll see them from time to time, but they were a very popular uniform, very well received. <clears throat> Again, looked like a very, to me, it looked like a pretty good formal uniform. Mm-hmm. You'd have to wear to a conference or something. But the next gen, that's when we go back to peaceful exploration and very colorful uniforms kind of jamming. <laughs> the first season, that was like the skin tight lycra with the little, little oh, God. Uh, highlights. In Yeah, the pinstripe highlights. Yeah, they looked that good. It looked awful. And can you imagine the smell that those things had after after a long day of shooting? They, they did smell, and that was another reason why they got rid of them. It wasn't just because Patrick Stewart's chiropractor said if he doesn't get out of this, he'll be permanently damaged. <laughs> Which I, I'm guessing that happened. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it was bad. It was... It was so bad on their backs because it was they were like two sizes too small because the 24th century doesn't have wrinkles. Right. True. Two sizes too small. Like no visible fasteners. Yeah, fasteners. So. And by this time, the color swap from the original series, Command wore red operations and engineering and security they all wear gold and of course blue remains the same for medical and they basically keep that structure all the way through at least through picard Uh, yeah that same color scheme not the same uniform they want right right in next generation season three they finally had a better uniform but in kind of in a, in a way to kind of both harken back to the 60s as well as to show social progress they did have the scants like that skirty <laughs> uniform that that crush uh, that troy wore yeah the pilot and then tasha yar wears at the very end of the pilot in the last scene oh, does she at the very scene at the end yes but you see background characters walk men in the sky yeah walk Mm-hmm. The background on, on the ship. You don't see any notable characters or major characters, but and these were all just <laughs> like one pieces too. The scant kind of disappeared. Troy goes into her sexy, tight-fitting uh, bodysuits for basically all the way up to the midway season six. Which some- she was very small, by the way. I saw one of those suits on display in Seattle. Uh-huh. And tiny, 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 tiny. Like oh, she's tiny. Yeah, she's she tiny. was tiny. Like, not tall at all. And and you see the size difference in her and Jonathan Frakes. And Jonathan's a tall guy. Yeah. But I swear, with her, the size of that uniform that I saw, they still put her on a soapbox next to him. Like they oh, had yeah. to have. <laughs> they, they had well, to have. Let's not forget, I'm sure that was several sizes too small, too, to accentuate yeah. her curves and whatnot, to stick to her frame, which they did to everybody in the first season. Mm-hmm. But somehow 
Crusher and Tasha got to at least wear pants. <laughs> uh, uh, but, I'm gonna have to look these up now. The the, the last scene in in uh, yeah encounter a far point and of uh, because of these and everybody hated these uniforms. They went with the more two piece suit, um, which was a bit more padded, so all the dudes looked kind of more buff. The women's were still a bit tailored to their physiques. Um, yeah, but but. We got the invention of the Picard maneuver. Yes, because the shirt would light up. <laughs> Stuart would sit down. He would do this <clears throat> yep. uh, adjustment. And it became <laughs> the Picard maneuver, which was also named after the <clears throat> tactic he developed uh, when fighting the Ferengi. Mm -hmm. Became legendary. A lot of people did it throughout the years. You know, numerous members of the Next Gen cast. Uh, as well as Deep Space Nine from time to time. So it was fascinating. Uh, and of course, you got the Riker lean and then Rikering, where he straddles the seat and all these other fun quirks that go along <laughs> with. But all due to crippling back pain. <laughs> you, you at least get a uniform. And of course, even in the first season, even if when it was a one suit, it was a the the torso and arms were all one solid color, your division color, either red or whatever. And then they mm -hmm. had this black band that went across the shoulders with like a little arrowhead on each shoulder pointing down the arm. And we don't need to go into that much detail, on, dude. We don't need to go into that much detail. At this point, you're you're right. just basically you're you'd doing a technical manual collar. here. You'd have the rank on the collar, and you'd have like blue boots and black pants, right? Well, the next gen season two, it be, was a two piece. They could take it off. They, they some of them would have colored undershirts. Um, very rarely were they taken off, but from time to time they were. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the next, in that season, they ended up having a bit of a higher collar where the rank would sit. And, uh, of course, part of the uniform was also the communicator badge. They went and had the detachable badge that was used as a communicator, which, instead of going to the whole, Spock, get me out mm -hmm. of here. Now the <laughs> Jordy in the tap on the chest, which lasted a full dozen 15 years or whatever from the start of the next generation to the end of voyager yeah and that uniform actually lasted all the way until uh midway through deep space nine they added but we got a, to see it all the way through the end of enterprise right and of course you saw it a few times in voyager too but i get where you're going with this yeah that said it eventually, there was an alternate uniform that was brought out that you would see in Deep Space Nine that was a one-piece jumpsuit, but it looked a little bit more... It's more baggy, more forgiving. Yes. <laughs> it, was not, um, it was not plastered to your frame, and they had this, no. white, this uh, kind of grayish mock turtleneck that went underneath, and that's where your rank was pinned. And everybody had a gray mock turtleneck underneath. 
and then they could pull the uniform on and off almost like a like a jumpsuit like yeah um, like mechanics overalls and miles o'brien who was the resident mechanic actually would roll his sleeves up (laughs) the three-quarter sleeve like gray underneath and it was kind of a neat thing because he was it fit his personality. He rolls his sleeves up, gets his hands dirty. I really liked that about the character. Yeah, I like that too. I mean, and I liked the the initial DS9 uniform. I just felt it was inconsistent that when DS9 started, TNG didn't change their uniform until generations. Now I understand why they didn't because budget. And and it was <laughs> they couldn't even they couldn't even switch it over completely in the in generations either because time constraints and budget <laughs> so poor jonathan frakes is wearing uh avery brooks's uniform that's right. too small two sizes too small for him and uh, picard's wearing one i don't know if they made one specifically for uh for him but they must have but they were wearing different uniforms in different scenes, and they weren't necessarily chronologically in order, you know? I, I know. I mean, about midway through the... I think it was mostly midway through the movie, though. Most of the main characters had transitioned into the... into the, the, the Deep Space Nine jumpsuit. And I guess that one was supposed to be like the frontier-type uniform. The Enterprise is supposed to wear the big, bright, we-come-in-peace kind of uniforms. Right. I mean, but, when you look at the, 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 the jumpsuit kind of look fitting on Deep Space Nine. It's like, it's mostly it black so it can hide all the dirt and grime and grease <laughs> that you get there. And if well, you and notice, I liked that. So they reversed it while the, in the next generation uniforms, the Starfleet uniform was mostly a, a smaller black uh, uh, top, you know, mm-hmm. across the shoulders, mostly. Um, the Deep Space Nine and then Voyager uniform reversed it, where, like, the whole bulk of the jumpsuit is black, except for a large top that goes kind of down to probably on men about mid-sternum, men and women, Probably went down about mid sternum for the color. Yeah. And I believe, and um, that was where. So the uniform was primarily black with your color on top. With the under. My thought was, and this would have been a very easy thing for them to do. Give you that. Yeah. They they could have easily just said, "This is the uniform that space uh, space station personnel wear." That's all they could have done. Space yep. station personnel wear that. Start uh, start uh, ship personnel wear this. Yep, and that's kind of what they're doing now with uh, with lower decks. I don't fucking know what they're doing with lower decks. We'll, we'll I don't even know what they're fucking doing now. Like, so, <laughs> like so Deep Space I don't Nine, think they know. <laughs> Deep Space Nine carried on that, but like when they would have dress uniforms, they would wear the. TNG era dress uniform. It basically, it looks like mm-hmm. a TNG uniform that's also part dress. Right. <laughs> Would be a long and then, coat versus the top. And uh, then we have the seminal moment of first contact. 
Oh yeah, when Star Trek got a real another really good uniform. Mm, I my my personal favorite. Yeah, it's, I think it's right up there with me too. One of my favorites. It's a it's basically the same similar design to the Deep Space Nine jumpsuit, but it's a little bit more sturdy in material, I guess it looks like, a little thicker mm-hmm. material. And it's black all the way up to that chest shoulder pad but that's now gray and the undershirt which is a little puffier too a little thicker material that is now your division um colors and they bring back the the sleeve stripe that's your division color mm-hmm. i love you that can look clearly see the zipper lines of both of those hell yeah but you know what i don't care and much like how kirk and picard had their own like command appropriate uniform uh captains also got a vest that they could wear underneath the yes jacket which you would see picard and cisco wear at times like in their office or in wait was it a vest or was it an overall it was a vest I, I know what you're talking about, the alternate that they had. I got to look it up, though, because I can't remember it explicitly. It was a great uniform. It was a little bit of a thicker oh. uniform, kind of like when they went, like when TNG went to the more padded uniform in season three. Mm-hmm. It looks better. And to be honest with you, it makes more sense. You're limited. Oh, yeah. Color. And this is a, and then this, and this is where it ties into lower decks as well. This uniform is the uniform of the frontline ships. Ones that get out and get their hands dirty. It was prevalent during the Dominion War. Mm-hmm. It was a bit more tactical than, hey, let me go stand out here in my red and blue and, and, and yellow <laughs> all over. It was a little easier to blend into the rocky environments with grays and blacks. Still... Not the greatest in the way of a tactical uniform, but much better. Not standing out like, here, please shoot me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did introduce a, a quote-unquote tactical uniform, that like ultra-thick padded black uniform that just had the little division stripe across the chest that they showed in Northern Battle Strong. And yeah. Uh, that's where you saw a lot of them, and then you saw a few of them in the Siege of AR-558. It's supposed to be probably like a, a heavy flak jacket kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the closest you get to a tactical uniform, a true combat uniform, I guess I should say, uh, designed for, for fighting. Uh, still, not bad. Helmets are really good in combat situations. Just saying. Just oh, yeah. Saying. One would think. Deep Space Nine did, however, introduce a neat desert away mission uniform. In image they in the did. Sky, yes, they did. They You're right. A white material, like off-white uniform that had like, um, it was almost like a, a cloak or like a, a light robe that would go on with a hood. Mm-hmm. And a, at with a brim would be really good there uh but they did have like a, a, a 
a single division color stripe across the chest there, much like the tactical uniform did. Yeah, the first the first episode of season seven. What's that? First episode of season seven, to be precise, by the way. Second. Uh, this says first. Image in the Sand is the first episode of season seven. Well, then whatever the next episode was, where they go. Oh, Shadows and Symbols. That might yes, be. that's it. It was that one because the, the pictures on show the it. Tyree or yeah. Star Tatooine. Starfleet's Tatooine, yes. Yeah. Vasquez well, Rocks. It's really next to Vasquez Rocks, but whatever. <laughs> you have a desert environment and they beam down in a desert uniform. Mm-hmm. Surprise, which, surprise. which was actually very appropriate. Uh, you know, yes. loose fitting, long hooded, you know, clothing, it, it brightly, you know, colored. Bedouin clothing. Yeah. Did you say Bedouin? Yes. Yeah. You cut yeah. out there for a second. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Bedouin. And it, it's it's practical. It's practical. Yes, it is practical. Um, so Deep Space Nine helped reintroduce more practical uniforms. Uh, but lower decks, like you see the Titan wearing the, the gray Dominion War era uniforms, it's a frontline ship. The Cerritos, which is a second or third tier type ship, a second contact ship that goes, it's not boldly going to new areas, but to boldly go to follow up areas. Yeah. And all of these things that are already done. It's like follow up and supply and support. It's a support ship. Yeah. They're wearing a updated version of the original of the next gen uniform that has some white piping and whatnot. It's a little bit similar to the unused generations uniform, which was supposed to have some striping and, and piping along with it to, to change it up for the movie, which they ended up scrapping last minute, which is why we got the jumpsuits from Deep Space Nine. Right, right. Voyager keeps the same uniform all the way through, despite knowing the fact that the uniform has changed. Which they should have, that, that's, they never should have changed. And I'm glad they stayed with it the way they did throughout the whole season. Because why bother changing? That's using useless, that, that, that's a useless use of resources. You're right. It is still. Uh, especially because the dress uniforms, though, changed. Well, yeah, that's from, true. Too. They went from the Deep Space Nine era jumpsuits to wearing the for uh, the um, insurrection uh, dress uniforms. Well, yeah, okay. Was only shown on Deep Space Nine once. Deep, yeah, they <laughs> they actually created a, a decent looking dress uniform, which looked a bit like um, dress mess whites for the U.S. Navy. Um, white uniform, white jacket, black pants with. Command level and above wore, I think it was full white through the center, but like like a like a center column along the sternum to the to the zipper. Uh, but everybody else wore gray, so you got to see it in the season seven D Space Nine episode on Romulus that has the uh, Latin name that I can't pronounce right now. 
<laughs> they did uh, that. Yeah. They were in Florian Riker's wedding. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they do that. And, and basically, then, isn't oh, it a isn't it a, a a version of the future uniform from Future Imperfect or something? Maybe. No, that no. Future Imperfect was basically just the kind of the regular uniform with the shitty. No, looking. no. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. All good things. No. Maybe it was, I don't know if it was, um, they just reused those styles of uniforms. I don't know. Maybe I'd have to do a deeper dive. But that's an alternate uniform that never appeared. It kind of appeared. Flash forwards. They used them again in um, the visionary. Yeah. They did. No, not visionary. No, no, the, the, the visitor. Visitor. The visitor. Deep Space Nine, okay. Season 4, Episode 2, by the way, everyone. Amazing. <laughs> um, amazing but, so that was Deep Space Nine, Voyager again. Generally, like I said, they kept the same uniforms. As Deep Space We're not going to be able to get some new Trek at this point. We're going to have to do a Part 3. Our first ever Part 3? Oh, <laughs> I think we're going to have to do a Part 3, man. <laughs> I'm on board for a three-parter. Nothing says Deep Space Nine like a three-parter. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's something else, though. You get to see a PT uniform in Voyager, though. Uh, a, a what? A what? A PT uniform, a physical fitness uniform. The, those gray uniforms. They yeah. Were training, gray uniforms, which were like kind of like a gray top and bottom with the colored division stripe across the chest. Mm-hmm. That's right. Boom. There you go. And well done. We go ahead and we will we will finish. We will round out the, the legacy era of Trek with maybe the most practical of all uniforms, Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> Where LeVar Burton literally saw the uniforms that they were wearing and started to cry because he's like, I wanted pockets in my uniform and you guys get to have pockets. <laughs> and zippers. <laughs> now, there, there's a couple of quick things I, I figure I failed to mention. One, um, before leaving the 24th century, the first contact and Voyager style um, EV suits, excellent. Mm-hmm. They're pretty cool looking. They looked functional. And a big helmet to see through, but it also looked like tough. Uh, the only other allusion to an EV suit that they had was with that genetically altered guy that was like on the uh, cat and mouse run in TNG. And he made it look like he took an EV suit. Oh, Rogan who Dana. was that guy? Yes. Yeah. In the hunted. Thank you. And, and like if that was a good, yeah, and that was a good, that was a good episode because it showed a, you got to see the, the, the crew operate at peak efficiency and they still got out, outplayed. Yeah. And you it know? also shows what happens when a society chucks its veterans aside. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, getting back, and there was um, so another thing aside from the there was also Beverly Crusher wore basically a lab coat, mm-hmm. which I like. And you know what she kept in her? She had pockets in that. And that's she did she have pockets. Yeah, she put her hands in her pockets a lot, and I think that was to piss off her crew, her crewmates. <laughs> Maybe. But then you also have uh, Belana Torres had a jacket that just looked like it was the uniform, but she had the tools in it. Yeah, that's right. The scanners and the and work jacket. Yeah. And the, 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 the molecule melders and yeah. yeah. A very um, rare occurrence of practicality in Star Trek, I, there, folks. I think they had to do it, though, because the actress got pregnant, right? I think that was the original reason, but I always liked that it was a practical thing. Yeah. She's an yeah. engineer. She's always in pockets when Scott, Scotty, when he would, you know, in the last few movies, he would always, he would never wear the, the jacket. He always wore the, the undershirt, the vest. Mm-hmm. Like in, <laughs> that the vest had pockets. He was an engineer. Yeah. Brian, his shit was always cool. getting his hands in. Gotta love these engineers, man. Mm-hmm. Actually, Jordy yeah. did it in a first contact. He rolled did up he his, roll sleeves his sleeves too. Yeah. That's my <laughs> so. They wouldn't let Miles roll his sleeves up once they had to put the, the new uniform. No. <laughs> that must have chafed Comini a little bit. Oh yeah, I know. Enterprise had like full on flight suits. Mm-hmm. They were jumpsuits with, but they could take them off and they'd be wearing color coordinated uh, undershirt and, and, and shorts. Mm-hmm. I would do that when I was in my, you know, when I was in my tanky, my tanker uniform, my Nomex uh, jumpsuit that this tanker jacket would go over in the cold weather. You had to wear like your whatever brown or tan t-shirt that the uniform was at the time. Usually you'd wear a pair, maybe like a pair of your physical fitness shorts, like the black physical fitness shorts. But that's what we all wore. You know, you wore your mm-hmm. t-shirt, you wore that, and you'd have the jumpsuit over it. And we had a shitload of pockets, much like jumpsuits in Enterprise. There was like more pockets per square, dude. There was like <laughs> 30 pockets on every uniform. It was great. There, if you if you didn't put your keys in the same spot on that uniform, you'd spend it was an hour. going to get lost. <laughs> but, like they had the little zipper pocket where the where they would use the, where Archer would put like the the communicator in his shoulder pocket. Mm-hmm. Or maybe a chest pocket sometimes, but he would use the pocket for those little yeah. communicators. Were about the same size as a cell phone nowadays. Just pop, you know, enterprise. And actually, that was so funny because it felt like we had caught up to them at that point because they had that kind of flip communicator. We had the flip cell phones. I mean, almost everyone had a flip cell phone during that era. Well, his was the one that, like, he pressed the side and it, like, popped up, I think, which they had cell phones kind of like that at times, too. But they had ball caps that they would wear on planet side that had yeah. an one they 
And that's what the Navy has. They have, like, you'll go on a Navy ship, and they'll be wearing, like, they won't be wearing big bus driver hats. They'll be wearing a baseball cap with USS whatever on it. You know what? That's what I want. I need an NX-01 baseball hat. Or a Niners hat? Uh, nah. NX-01. Niners <laughs> <laughs> good logo from the from take me out to the hollow suite it's a pretty good logo yeah no it is it's it's a very creative logo it's 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 right up there with tamako from the simpsons episode like it just fell into place perfectly yeah Yeah. but you're right the nx01 shirt is pretty cool Uh, uh and that's and and they also they, they had, had away they had away mission jackets. They did. They had they had some heavy jackets. They had uh, in the in the pilot they had when they were on Rigel and it was cold. They had a big puffy jacket, kind of like um, Wrath of Khan. Yep. They had yep. tan uniforms. Remember when they went to Vulcan? Yeah, they did. Oh wow, I forgot about that. What was that mean? in season four? Fire. Yeah, I think. Yeah. That was season yeah. four. Environment specific uniforms. <gasps> so <Man>. shocking. <laughs> and the Makos. Your 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 first Makos. love. Well they had, I, I I will say this, their their uniforms were a little snug, I think <laughs> to be totally practical. But they these guys had some of them were wearing like I think a few of them were wearing like fingerless gloves. They were, which a lot of dudes will wear. They'll wear like gloves, and maybe they'll have like the trigger finger without, you know, maybe yeah. they'll, they'll cut a trigger finger so they can take uh-huh. it out, or they'll cut the trigger wow. finger. Off. A lot of special ops guys will do that. Well, you got to take it but, out when you got to take it out, so. But they had they had gear, they had backpacks, you know, mm-hmm. gear. I mean, they repelled in. They had combat boots. They had camouflage uniforms. The only thing they really for- should have had helmets. Yeah, <laughs> they should have had helmets. <laughs> and you know what? You know what would have worked? The Starship Trooper helmets. <laughs> it would have been fine. Not a version of those light helmets you see the SF guys wear. No, true, true. I'm just, I'm obviously, I'm joking. I'm bringing it back. I'm doing a, I'm doing a, a circle back. <laughs> but that you see, those, those were probably Enterprise had probably the most practical uniforms of any Star Trek series. Yes. Very much. And of course, the, it was designed to show that it was not as technologically advanced. And it was like almost closer to what NASA and current military would wear. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, would you want to beam down onto a planet and go stomping around in a navy blue jumpsuit? Probably not. When you beam down to do the, or fly down in your shuttle to Vulcan and it's hot and sandy and there's two suns and you're wearing a tan deserty uniform bingo right there man yeah i'm saying enterprise probably had the most realistic and i like them a lot 
they had the they had the NX01 USS Enterprise patch on the shoulder. They had the mission patch. Yeah, they did. And they showed Columbia for a couple episodes in season four. They had mm-hmm. Columbia. Different, like different looking patch. What's that? Different looking patch, by the way. And it was. There was no Starfleet symbol. Delta. Yet. No, that that hadn't come yet. No. And what I, you know, they were blue jumpsuits, and they had a stripe across the upper chest that denoted the division. Mm-hmm. It was command was gold security and engineers were red and the science and engineering was kind of a bluish green kind of the way i think science and medicine you mean yeah science and medicine i'm sorry bashir's uniform i think got a little bashir and dax their uniforms were a little greener don't you think uh they were yeah a little bit it, it it didn't look so green until you saw Picard wearing it. And it looked almost, it looked very, it did look blue. It looked green. Oh, you mean. In tapestry. Green. Yeah, which was weird because Beverly's and Deanna's uniforms were very blue, but that one was They were very of, blue. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but. <laughs> but. Remember Enterprise, though, they showed the color scheme from the original series. Archer. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And actually, I remember it was talked about in TV Guide. Like they were saying, now remember, folks, in the original series, it was gold for command. And that myself. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you don't need to explain this to us. We're not stupid. Like, <laughs> like, oh goodness! <laughs> they had a pretty good uniform, you know. Their I liked it a lot. Garbage, but well, didn't they switch them out for phasers or something later? No, no, no. they had like rudimentary, like in the first couple of episodes, they had rudimentary, like. I don't know, energy weapons, and then they switched them out for their phase pistols. Yeah, the phase pistols, and it's stun it's or kill. <laughs> yeah. The Makos had decent pistols, and they had great rifles. Yeah, they did. Makos were awesome. Art says that at the beginning of season three, he's like, I'm bringing these Makos on because the Makos technology is like two years ahead of ours. Dude, please tell me you're talking about, like, weapons, because... Yeah. <laughs> Kind of nervous. Yeah. <laughs> um, Enterprise, despite being, I mean, it showed, I know, it showed bulky. There was some clunkiness to some of their equipment, a rudimentary look. And the uniforms looked a little bit more old-fashioned, closer to what we have, which I think is why they appeal to me so much, is that they look familiar. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, I think you're right. We haven't been able to touch new Trek outside of Lower Decks, which is a little different because it technically is running like right on the heels of all the stuff we're familiar with. Yeah, right on the heels of Nemesis and all that. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to have to do a part three 
You think we are. But we're going to do part three and we're going to have to talk about the new trick. New trick. Yeah. And that schizophrenic showcase. I've got notes on those. Uh, (laughs) I think we all do. (laughs) I think we both do. (laughs) And maybe just maybe there might be one or two that we missed that we'll forget about, that we've forgotten about and we'll come to us and next week we'll remember oh hey you remember this show we forgot to mention that (laughs) so all right well uh i feel like i feel like we did a pretty uh decent dive into this um anything else you want to plug up before before we sign off you're gonna you're definitely going to get me rambling again for another hour and a half. When you <laughs> this is something that means a lot to me. Understood. Well, on that note, everybody, follow us on Twitter at those sci-fi guys and email us at you know, let's see those sci-fi guys at gmail dot com. Thank you for listening. Our website at uh, yeah. those sci-fi guys those sci-fi guys dot com. You can yeah, download you can. us on iTunes. Well, yeah, you technically can, but who 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 downloads through iTunes now anymore? Now, okay, you do. I gotcha. All right. <laughs> and on that note, they're free if you download them on iTunes. Wait a minute. Which app is charging? Because we're not getting a cut of it. I know. Huh. We're going to into this. All right. Well, on that note, everybody, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, everyone. And for part three, I want to see you all in your proper uniform. That's just a black shirt. That's all I'm going to wear. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosesci guys.com for past episode information. 